0: Register using code CHAMPION200 and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 money line wager on any Major League Baseball game and either team hits a home run, regardless of your bet's outcome. Enjoy baseball like never before with BetMGM's daily promotions at your fingertips all season long. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use code CHAMPION200 to win $200 when you bet 10 bucks on an MLB game and either team hits a home run. Sign up today and find out why
2: What's up, everybody, and welcome to Corner to Corner Wrestling Radio. It's myself, Stan Crow. The Triple Threat is is with me. We're complete. We got Brian Taylor.
3: What's up, people?
2: We got Rob Hafner
3: Hola. Como esta?
2: Wow, we just transcended into, uh, transitioned into a Spanish class. Well,
1: we do have fans in the Latin American countries.
3: When you hear this sound, Bing. turn the page.
2: <laughs> it's good to have everybody here. It's been a busy, busy time. Hopefully you guys are doing well.
1: Yay! Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, just, yeah, I thought you were talking to to listening audience.
2: Oh, no, no, no. I was asking my <clears> two <the throat> best friends that
3: anyone could have. How We're we are the two best friends that anyone could ever have. Does, does that make me Chucky? We're um, the only two friends he's ever had.
2: Oh. <laughs> We're the lone wolves. <laughs> wait. <laughs> the lone ranger, rangers. No, wait.
3: Uh, I'm a Dottie. I'm a rebel. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: you know... This pandemic is really just uh, raising hell. But hey, we we can at least count (coughs) on a few consistent things. One, Monday Night Raw is going to suck every Monday. Sadly, that was the case this past Monday. Even from within the Thunderdome. We'll talk about that tonight. This week, we had a great episode of AEW Dynamite. Celebrating their first anniversary. (coughs) Their first year of being on television. The G1 has come to a conclusion. We will talk about the results of that. Um, I don't know how much of it we'll dive into because I really haven't had a chance to really watch a lot of it. Just a few clips here and there. So we'll probably just go over who won, talk about what the future (coughs) might look like for New Japan. And, of course, there's some statistics that have come out with uh, AEW that we'll talk about. Interesting ones that... uh, could very well cause some heads to roll up north again. Is it up north still, if they're kind of headquartered in Florida still? I guess it's still up north.
1: Yes. Yeah, because that would be corporate, so I think you have to go with corporate. Uh,
2: First things first, I will say that uh, we, we learned of... Indie star Tony Deppen. Now, I don't think I've ever seen this guy perform, but apparently he wrestled for Game Changer Wrestling at The Collective <coughs> last weekend. And he has also competed for Joey Janela in uh, some of his spring break events. But apparently he tested positive for COVID-19, so he took to social media, told everybody that uh, he got a positive result, said he's one week in through his uh, uh, quarantine. He's feeling a little better but um, says he was lucky that none of the people he was around all weekend had positive results, except – no, I'm sorry. None of the people that he was in the car with had positive results, even the people he was in the car for nine hours. It seems unlikely that you'd go nine hours and not test positive, unless these guys are starting being honest.
1: Oh, well, I mean, so – if it was this weekend I think there's like a uh what do you call it a gestation period
2: yeah there there is
1: if we remember two to ten days or something
2: yeah it's kind of crazy
1: so i mean i don't I don't know how the testing works in no. relation to that you know but I might have waited a little bit longer before I got tested
2: yeah. Um, hopefully the folks that he was in the car with, um, you know, wait before they take their next booking. Cause that's just, damn, that's risky.
4: Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> Wear a mask.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And one that covers your nose and your mouth, you know, <laughs> let's, 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 you know, I've seen that a lot uh, lately. Like, <laughs> I got I I have a mask on my face, man. You're, you're violating my rights. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> just put the thing on. What, Can we please just go about our day?
1: <laughs> what I wouldn't give for a mask to cover your mouth.
4: <laughs> yes! <laughs> five. Uh,
1: we should also make mention that uh, I know I'm going to butcher this name. Where did it go? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, Principe? Uh. Ario.
2: Principe Herrero, I think is how it's pronounced. I okay, think. There you go. Uh, Twenty-six years old, died in no, the ring. No,
1: twenty-three. Twenty-three. Yep, Jesus. twenty-three.
2: Even younger. God, what a horrible From a heart way attack. to die, dude.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, this man it just goes to show you how short life is.
2: Yeah. Um, you know he he was. <laughs> Apparently, he took three chops, a series of chops to the chest, and just dropped to the mat. EMTs quickly hit hit the ring, strapped him to a backboard, rushed him to a medical facility where ultimately he dies. That's just, dude, that's just the worst. Like, it's bad enough to to have some kind of random crazy-ass incident happen, but in the middle of, you know, doing what you love to do, that's just, wow. I feel for his family, you know?
4: Oh, yeah.
1: Uh, again who who expects a heart attack at 23 right right
3: so um godspeed my friend yeah thoughts and prayers are with you and your family absolutely
2: you know sooner or later we're gonna stop opening the show with freaking partners (coughs) I'm just saying I'll I'll put it out there
1: yeah but uh you you know might as well get it over with first and then we can move on
2: so guys, I saw this kind of a this question and, and it's gonna take us a little off track, but what the hell? Who was the WWE or WWF champion? Who was the world champion when you guys were born? Hulk Cogan. No, he no. was not. Hogan was a champion in 79. <laughs> no, he I mean 78 not. or 77. Uh, <laughs> Had Flair won his first one?
1: Ooh, no, Flair didn't get it until Early eighties, um, I think eighty is it eighty three at Starcade, eighty three against Harley Race. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I think that's right. Oh my God, um, Pedro Morales,
2: maybe <laughs> for, for me.
1: <laughs> let's find out. Let's let's go to the internet and find out.
2: All right, so Brian is February seventy three.
1: 73 you uh Koloff? no bruno bruno oh that's a good champion wait yeah but we might all be bruno <laughs> i think we are <laughs>
2: <laughs> well let's get specific let's get specific brian it's the, it's the 16th right I'll, yes. I always yes. screw up your dates and birthdays. I'm sorry. I'll apologize ahead of time.
1: Don't worry. That's, that's what I got a wife for to remember, y'all. <laughs> she does a good job. And now with Facebook, that helps me even more.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Although I have given up on the whole quest of every time there's a birthday popping up saying happy birthday. I'm like, yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. So <clears throat> 1973. Um, so Stasiak was, wow, okay, this is confusing, alright, so we'll just sit, stick with WWF, I guess, or WWF, okay. whatever, um, Bruno Sammartino was champion, he won the title on December 10th, 1973, Stan Stasiak won it on December 1st of nineteen seventy. And Pedro Morales was champion before that. So, Stasiak defeated Pedro Morales. Uh, so, it would have been Pedro. Pedro Morales was champion when you were born, sir. Whew. Talk about oh, six I degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, yeah. yeah. I, I knew he was. He had that oddball, and I just took a guess at it. So.
3: All right, Pedro Rob. Morales.
2: So. Rob, who was champion when you were born,
3: sir? Well, the WWWF at Rockland, Maine, November 17th, 1977, WWWF World Champion Superstar Billy Graham defeated (laughs) Jay Strongbow. Damn. That's
2: cool. That's cool. I like that. That's cool. Uh, 1978, September 5th, 1978, it was...
3: Yeah, mom. No.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Former presidential candidate Bob Backlund was WWE <laughs> champion at the time
4: I was born. Crap.
2: <laughs> Got to make sure we put some respect on his name when we say that, because I'm not trying to get a chicken wing even now. Just not trying.
1: and he's at that point now. He might be old enough. He just doesn't let it go.
2: Yeah. You think he gets mad at people like when they walk near him, walking too close?
4: Six feet! Ah! <laughs> I don't
2: know.
1: I, I, I could see Bob just not even leaving the house.
2: So I read a story today, um, and this actually kind of... <clears throat> I, I know Bret Hart has talked a lot about Goldberg, right? We, we know that. But in an interview Goldberg. where he talks about the ending of his career... Did you know that the cost of Goldberg's injury to him was 15 million dollars?
1: that's like hospital stay.
3: So
2: here's how here's how this goes. Or is that his
3: contract? Very good. Yeah, nice was that, his job. Contract? that
2: was his contract. So, remember Bret Hart takes the kick from Goldberg at Starcade of 99. No, Starcade of 2000, excuse me. Starcade of 2000. Were we there? Uh, we yes. not. were not. We weren't there for Brett, were we?
1: Yes, we were there for all Jeez, three. Of them. Wow, they they had three in a row, and we were there. I think it's three in a row.
2: Yeah, we did. We did. I don't did think three there was
1: a row. fourth. We went to all three. Yeah.
2: Yep. So Bret Hart, of course, takes the big boot of Doom, basically from Goldberg, drops to the mat. Now it was only six months later that the World Wrestling Federation, at the time, would purchase WCW. Well. Wrestlers that managed to really make a big, big payout were really few and far between, actually. It was Hulk Hogan and Goldberg because they had contracts directly with Ted Turner. You know who else had a contract directly with Ted Turner? Bret Hart. Because Bret was fired only, uh, let's see here, 10 months after his injury, he was fired, released from his contract. His contract was then null and void. So, when Hogan and Goldberg cash out their contract at the buyout and get paid the entire amount, Bret Hart loses the rest of his contract, which totaled out to $15 million freaking dollars. That's crazy. No wonder he hates him. I would hate him, too. $15 million? I would... All right, pardon the pun. I'd hire a hitman.
4: <laughs> <laughs> That's well, a I lot mean, of money, so- dude.
3: <laughs> I mean, you think especially, like... Back then, it wasn't a big deal because he still had all his WWE money.
2: Right, right. Mm -hmm.
3: You know? But now, (laughs) when everything's kind of, like, dried up, plus, didn't his wife take a whole bunch?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, His first wife, Julie, in their divorce, she took a ridiculous amount of his money. And then, of course, let's not forget the fact that he had the stroke, so Brett just one so thing he couldn't after another. Work. Yeah, he couldn't do anything because Brett tried to do a comeback. He was, um, let's see, it was WWA, that company out of Australia, in the position that Sting ultimately went in. Brett was trying to work his way back to that, and right before WWA is supposed to start, really to get off the ground. Remember that's Jeremy Borash's company. Brett have, has the stroke. So if you think about it, man, I mean, I I like Goldberg as a wrestler. I don't know as a person, though. It kind of seems like he's kind of a dick. He apparently never called Bret Hart to apologize for the injury. That's just cold, man. Yeah, but, I mean,
1: look at how much he got as far as, like, how far he got in so little time. Right? So he never paid his dues.
2: Very true. He really didn't. He, you know what, he what I'm saying? Thrust in so, the spotlight and stayed there.
1: Yeah, Everything I, I would imagine to ego took over pretty quick.
3: And I'd imagine also back then he had handlers, you know. Right. So like, like Brian said, he never paid his dues to learn the business, to know what to say, what not to say, who to talk to, or whatever. Not to say he didn't, but also. Him being in the position he is, he had people around him telling him, "All right, this is where you go. This is what you talk." And um, and so that could be it, or he could just be rude. I don't
4: know.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's it's amazing the stuff you learn after the fact, and you know, for a while, for the longest time, I know that I consider Bret Hart to be just straight up bitter. But you learn about this sort of thing. It's like, well, sh- no wonder. You'd be, I would be extremely bitter knowing that that kind of money was cost because of somebody's, you know, irresponsible behavior. That's just awful. And then to know that he could have, you know, he could have made it right. He could have maybe visited him in the hospital. He could have, <coughs> hell, he could have paid him. He could have sent him some money, something, you know, offer to help this guy, and he doesn't do anything to make it right. It's just, that's a horrible take, horrible move.
3: Well, and also you got to think about the bitterness part of it, the fact that Goldberg has continued to earn money in the business. When Brett is limited on what he can do in the business, Mm -hmm. plus he's very bitter about, and rightfully so, how it ended. Yeah. You know, to go from the mountaintop to the outhouse really quick. Mm Mm-hmm. You know? You know, I saw, it's funny you bring
1: up Brett, uh, so I saw something on Facebook, I guess it is, mm-hmm. where he, you know, he does uh, like a, kind of like Mick Foley, the little speaking engagements or whatever, mm-hmm. and he he, he tells backstories, backstage stories, mm-hmm. and I saw one where he tells about um, back as the click was forming. Right. Mm -hmm. So as they were getting together and and starting to scheme and plot and, you know, how to get hold of the WWE, these wrestlers. Yeah. uh, According to Brett, they actually came to him and wanted him to get involved, too. And that after they explained the plot to Brett and and the way they were going to screw people over, Brett supposedly was like, no. I want no parts of it. Now, that, according to Brett, that's what happened. But then Kevin Nash then turns around and says, uh, that never happened. And, you know, Brett's seen up. So, it's just kind of interesting that you brought up Brett after seeing that. I think I saw it yesterday.
2: Yeah. It's just, it's crazy because... You know, I, I know that for a long time we used to joke about it, you know, Brett's just a bitter old man, angry at the world because of the screw job. But the reality is, the more we learn about it, including, you know, this past year where Dark Side of the Ring talks about Owen Hart, the more we learn about just the continuously shady dealings of how all of that was handled. Man, you, you can't blame, I mean... We we talk about it a lot in our group chat. You know, when we talk about Vince McMahon, right, and and what he's done as a oh, businessman versus who he is as like a, a man, as a person. You know, as a guy, as a person, he's he's kind of a shit human being. <laughs> he's just screwed so many people. As a businessman, he's pretty shrewd. You can't really take a lot away. I mean, we've had our debates about creatively what he truly created and what he truly did. But I'm willing to you know to call a spade a spade and say, yeah. As a businessman, he made a lot of great moves. Granted, he had help and the right people, right time, all that stuff. But as a, as a human being, it's just the more you learn, it's just, geez. So then you add to that Goldberg and everything. It's no wonder Brett is so just angry at the world. I don't blame him.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you also have to factor in um, wrestling with shadows. So remember, he just got that, what, $20 million deal from the WWE? Yeah. And then that falls through, and you know that leads to him going to WCW and the the god I, I, the mismanagement or whatever there. So it's just absolutely crazy.
2: You know the amazing thing is Eric Bischoff still buries him today in his speaking engagements. Talks about, yeah, yeah. Talks about how Brett was always late to events, never showed up on time. It, it sounds kind of inter- it sounds ridiculously similar to conversations we've had with Mr. DeVore about, about call times. He would deliberately change the call time for an event just to try to get Brett Hart to be there early. And none of it it never worked. He said he was always late at least an hour or two. That's crazy.
3: Well, like, if I've, if you listen to Eric's podcast, like, he doesn't have a high reputation. He doesn't have a high, you know, for a lot of people. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot that he does. Like, a lot of people, like, somebody else, that guy who works with him, I can't remember his name, but he's like, oh, well, remember this guy? Oh, we're not talking about him. You know, like. Yeah, it's just. But he... Go ahead. Eric Eric Bischoff also reminds me of somebody who, and, and Brett, that can hold a grudge.
2: Well, I mean, in in Eric's case, I don't really give him a whole lot of credence to it. I, I really don't give a lot of buy-in. But when it comes to Brett, like, at first I didn't want to because he just seemed like he was angry. And, of course, he hated Shawn Michaels. And at the time, Shawn was like the end-all be be-all for me. So, you know, I was damned no. if I was going to turn my back on that, right? But then as you learn more and really hear just some, unfortunately, just some really crappy moves by by Sean and the rest of the clique, it's like, geez. And honestly, I had never heard that they had approached Bret Hart before. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I'm sure you can find – well, I don't remember if I shared it. I don't think I did. But, yeah, I, I mean, you can, I guess – if you can find some of these speaking engagements he 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 does, mm-hmm. um, it's in one of these. So I guess he he's like in Germany or over or he's doing one in Germany and he tells a story. Somebody then tweets Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash is like, no, that's not right. And then the next the next one he does, he's like, no, nah, Kevin's full of crap. This is this is how it actually went down.
2: Yeah.
1: And. You know, who knows really who to believe?
2: Right, right. But,
1: I mean, think about it. If if Brett is the world champ, right,
4: mm-hmm.
1: the apple of Vince's eye, and you know you're not getting that title from him, you know, at the time, because this is like before the, the click, <clears throat> you know, it, is it even known? Mm-hmm. Right, so they're they're forming this plot. Why wouldn't you include every champion in the building? Yeah I mean that's the only way you can secure your your title. And I mean think about it, if you don't include Brett and Brett finds out, then he can derail the whole the whole thing.
2: Yeah, he can out you almost immediately.
1: right. But if you include him and then somewhere along the way you stick him in the back and get that title from him, mm-hmm. he's going to look like an idiot when he tells you the story, right. you know, when he goes to Vince. Mm. Oh, oh, Vince, no, you can't take, you can't do this. You know, two weeks ago we had this conversation. He said, blah, 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 If you're Vince, what are you going to do to Brett? You're just going to, you're going to get that far off stare. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like a dog does when they cock their head and the ears go up. Anybody, like, this dude's
3: crazy. <laughs> He's desperate to hold on to his spot. Right.
4: Right. Right. right.
3: right.
0: Which so is a damn it, shame. It, yeah. I,
3: I
1: mean, I honestly think it's probably, it's probably real. They probably approached him. Mm-hmm. And for the sake of the business, Brett didn't tell nobody because they were probably going to hose him over.
3: Then a few weeks later on Monday Night Raw, (laughs) the plot thickens, right? (laughs) The world, as we know, was over.
2: I remember, you know, when when Brett beats Ric Flair in September of 92, like the whole world is like, holy hell, what just happened? Like Ric Flair to be beaten by a guy like Bret Hart at that time. I mean, not that Brett wasn't ready. He definitely was. But it was crazy. Like, how do you even predict something like that? But then to see him just go through... And and Brett mows down challengers through that first run. One of these days, we should do a show just off of championship runs. You know, of, like, our favorite championship run. Because Brett's first run as champion, he mows down everybody except for Yokozuna. I mean, Razor Ramon, Shawn Michaels... Um, Jerry Lawler I mean these were in the early 90s even greats of course Ric Flair too he even beats Ric Flair in a um, uh, shoot in a rematch an, a televised rematch so I mean it's it's crazy to me to think about it all of these things that he does for that company in a time where the WWF was struggling at, at the box office as a draw to sell tickets it really wasn't until what late '96 that the box office starts to pick back up, and even then, it's slow, because when the Monday Night Wars really happen, they're getting rid of water coolers, they're getting rid of pencils and staplers. They don't need to try to stay moving.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's probably a little bit later '96, um, because yeah, I might again, have my up in a little
2: little backwards. Well,
1: here. if I remember right, up until. Mick Foley wins the title, they were steadily plummeting and there was nothing anybody could do. Right. I I, I mean, I think up until Foley wins that title, the stories are that he could close, you
4: Mm -hmm. know,
1: he could walk away. He could, you know, they, you know, again, the water coolers, the pencils, the whole nine yards. So, because they were steadily losing during that period, Mm -hmm. And they were, you know, just trying anything to to hold on. And so I think up until that point, which is probably past '96 a little bit, or maybe late '96, wherever it would fall. No, I guess it would it wouldn't be '96. I guess it'd be a little bit later. Uh, I would say, you know, to your point.
2: When we get to the the, the top ten list for WCW. You know, failed gimmicks and angles. (laughs) I wonder if perhaps we could include, you know, just as an honorable mention, the uh, the fake Razor and fake Diesel, (laughs) just because of the timing of how they were
4: introduced.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but they'd be WWF, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was WWF when they were introduced. Remember. Because Nash and Hall, they're like, yep, we're going. <laughs> when they we do the curtain call, see ya.
3: That's the first time I remember learn, You know, realizing that Vince owned the gimmick, not the person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because it was the first time I remember him repackaging somebody so quick and be like, oh, you don't want to work here? Fine. We'll get somebody else to dress in your outfit. And we'll make fun of you. <laughs> well, I think,
1: I think even, even for me, that was probably the first time that you realize that he owns a lot of the gimmicks because I mean, think about it, up until then, anybody that came, if they were repackaged, they got a new gimmick, you know, but they, if they went somewhere else, you know, they were to an earlier one, whereas this one, they just straight up were like, nah, we can get somebody else to be Razor.
4: Right,
2: right. Poor poor Glenn Jacobs. We want you to be Diesel. Can you be Kevin Nash? Uh
3: long as you promised me a good character later.
2: <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna make you we're gonna make you a dentist, so you ready? It's your big time shot.
3: <laughs> God, could you
2: imagine if he had said no? What, to be in Isaac Yankum or uh, New to, Diesel?
1: No, to be in diesel cuz diesel was diesel first or was yankum first
2: uh oh no it was it was yankum first and then it was new diesel okay. and then it was kane
1: all right all right but could you imagine if he had told vince no i don't want to do it i went out of my contract or i'll just go sit at home or whatever
4: Oof. or
1: you know or if he's like i don't want to be it i want to you know i want to be another gimmick and <laughs> he never fell into kane
2: what if there was no kane Holy crap. Holy shit. <laughs> yep. Yep, that's a... Uh, you that's done a, started it now. There's an episode right there.
1: What if there yeah. was no cane? What if there was no cane?
3: Jeez. Or if,
1: if it was somebody else?
3: Ooh, there's could- probably people in uh, Tennessee that are like, wish there wasn't.
2: Won. <laughs> 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 I wonder how his run as uh, mayor is doing.
1: Mm-hmm. Is he still
2: mayor? I I think so.
1: Hmm. I you just don't know the terms,
2: you know, the, the term limits.
3: Let's go to the videotape. I'm
2: going to I'm going to google it. Is Kane still mayor? I'm going to google that right
3: now. <laughs> is Kane still mayor? <laughs> mayor of where is it? Knoxville.
2: Knoxville, Tennessee. Looking it up right Knoxville now. I got it. Oh, Rob's got it. Hit us with it. That was your cue.
4: Hmm. Yes. <laughs> mm, he says.
2: Interesting.
4: All right.
3: We got it. Um, the mayor of Knoxville, Tennessee, as of December 21st, 2019, is India can Cannon. Hmm.
2: Okay, so maybe his, um, I don't think it was Knoxville.
1: Knoxville is too big. I thought it was a smaller place.
2: Mayor of Knox County. Sorry. Mayor of Knox
3: County. There you go. Still
2: the mayor of Knox County.
3: Ah, uh, okay. Oh, oh, yeah. You, if, if it's did Knox you look County, it up?
2: Well, yeah, I wikipedia'd it. wikipedia'd
3: it. Oh, fine. Rob couldn't handle it, so I had to do it myself. <laughs>
2: that's not, that's not <laughs> right. That's not how that went. Hey, at least you got the invite to the comic shop. I didn't get the invite to the comic shop. You got the invite to the comic shop. So he
1: not true. Is I mayor. took care of that earlier. <laughs> how can you do that? He whined about it. I had to.
2: Not that it matters anyway.
3: So he's the mayor of Knox County But then that lady is the mayor of Knoxville Because Knoxville yeah, is pro- inside Knox County What? Yeah. That
2: can't be right That's crazy
3: So he's in charge of her The current mayor of Knox County government Glenn Jacobs They, the largest, The largest city in Knox County Is Knoxville Hmm Wow. You're just mad you're
4: the
2: What if? What if he had actually ran under his gimmick?
4: Nah, that was.
3: <laughs> Are you kidding me? Or in feet. Tennessee, they'd have loved it. <laughs> I think he did something like that. He choke slammed somebody or something. Oh, that'd be awesome.
2: That's how. That's how debates need to be from now on. Just put him in a ring and let him fight.
3: Bye. But his chief of staff's in trouble. Uh oh. Mayor's chief of staff shouldn't have borrowed a county golf cart after my wife broke her foot. No. No joke. You can't do that. Knox County Mayor Glenn Jacobs said Thursday night in a statement he was he placed his chief of staff on administrative leave this week to. De- Due to a mistake, he made over a borrowed county golf cart.
2: What an asshole. Stealing golf carts. Jeez. now yeah, he's got to go.
3: Vote him he out. said he, his wife broke her foot. So mm-hmm. he reached out to the county parks and to borrow the golf cart so his wife could get around. He said the carts weren't being used by anyone at the time because recreation was shut down due to COVID-19.
4: Hmm.
3: Mm -mm -mm. I don't see a problem.
4: Misappropriation
3: (laughs)
1: of government property Mm. is your problem.
4: Womp,
2: womp, womp, womp. Oh, well. (laughs) Well, oh, well. (laughs) Uh, So that's kind of the news of the week as far as like outside of what I figured we'd talk about this week. Um, Really not a lot going on as far as newsworthiness. I I, I did see that uh, indie sensation Kurt Stallion was signed to NXT and debuted on 205 Live this week. Um, And in addition to him, uh, Ben Carter, who was a standout from AEW Dark actually signed with WWE and is now headed to NXT.
1: I thought it was uh, NXT UK, though. Uh,
2: Yes, it is NXT UK, and he does not have a start date yet, but he has officially signed. Good for him. Yeah. I want to see these guys that, that are on Dark really, honestly, you know there's not a way impossible for them to actually you know, be in the main stage of AEW while everything is going on storyline-wise. But, you know, if you can continue the strength of Dark, which they really have done well with, there's no reason they can't be on a low-end deal. But if you're going to get offered stupid money, and and you figure NXT is probably offering these guys pretty stupid money, especially NXT UK, since they're rebuilding the brand. I mean, it's kind of silly to not take it, at least, and, and get that, yeah, I was there, now I'm here.
1: Well, I mean, if, if if you're working on a handshake deal, which some of them probably are, mm-hmm. and somebody comes along and offers you better money, why wouldn't you take it?
2: Well, I mean, you know, Pineapple Pete probably wasn't going to win the AEW World Championship. But Sugar Dunkerton, when he comes back, because I have a feeling he will get signed with AEW at some point. When he debuts as Sugar Dunkerton, I think he'll do very, very well. You know, but that was one of those uh, serendipity kind of moments of, of COVID where they've got, hey, we got a need for some people to be in the crowd. Let's put some indie guys and give them some, give them some work. And he ends up having a great standout match with Chris Jericho.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I, w- I would imagine that once COVID is over, mm-hmm. some of these guys may very well um, go back to what they were doing before.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably Not so.
1: I, I mean this. They have I understand the, and the need for what they're doing with dark because I mean they put up like sixteen matches or some craziness.
2: Oh yeah, it's like a pay-per-view style <laughs> <laughs> card that they yeah. every week for free. So,
1: <laughs> but I, I mean, if we think the, the WWE's roster of talent is crazy, then AEW's got to be pushing one now too. Mm-hmm. So I don't see them staying under contract until but until COVID's over.
3: But hey, if a wrestling company offers you crazy money, you'd be like, sure.
2: Well yeah, I mean of yeah, course. Unless Go ahead.
3: Unless you're Will Hobbs.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think Will Hobbs if if I'm AEW right now and I'm looking on the horizon, here's a guy that you've got you've got dollar bills in. You could really make money with. him. So, you may not have millions you can throw his way right this moment, but, yeah, you got to keep him. (laughs) Give him a car. You're the freaking Khan family. Do something, but keep him. Because if he goes to WWE, they'll do the same thing. he's not, though. I'm pretty sure he's
1: signed. Did he officially sign a contract?
2: Good for him. Yep. Good for him.
1: I think that's why he went to uh, Dynamite. And uh, was supposed to be in that the the main event there for that one week until yeah everything uh, went south. Rooster Tail, yeah, Rooster Tail got sick. (laughs)
2: Um. So hey, I, I figure since they had their their birthday, their first anniversary, we should talk about AEW's anniversary edition of Dynamite. Um. Let's just start from. Start from the beginning of the show. I had it all pulled up and then it blanked out. Sorry. So we get FTR and the Best Friends in a Tag Team Championship Brush with Greatness matchup. Sons of bitches.
4: Was
1: that a brush with greatness?
2: You know, at first, at first they don't call it that, which was uh-huh. interesting. I was part of me was thinking maybe they heard, maybe I don't know. Not that they'd really give a damn, but maybe they heard, you know, people saying you stole that. But then it hit me in they're the like, middle of it. Prove it. Well, yeah, I mean, of course they're going to be like, "Well, we got lawyers; you don't have nothing." So yeah,
1: yeah. But however, uh, you know, nothing ever truly disappears off the internet. <laughs> so right, right. I'm pretty sure those lawyers would be
3: like, "Uh oh, we'll go away for lifetime free tickets and free it
2: yeah, really. Just send me every wave for free. You okay, what are you talking about? Just you. Oh, yeah. Us. Us. I meant to say Dude, us. Didn't... S- I didn't say us. <laughs>
4: Son of <laughs> a...
3: You saw how quick he just threw the... Brian, did us. you feel that bus running over you? I did, man. I did. <laughs> I Rob even said... Truck. Rob
1: even even pluraled it so that it would be, you know, everybody involved.
2: So Rob was very quick. And
1: there I, you go. Just hosing everybody. Oh, oh my God.
2: But yeah, I would think I would think the every wave of figures and uh hey, how about how about a, a replica of each belt and we're good to go. Um,
1: no, I I want, I want tickets within hundred miles.
2: Ooh oh, all right, yep, you know what? Screw the belts, I'll take tickets within hundred miles. Yep, you're right. You're absolutely right, Brian. This is why you should be an agent, my agent, our agent. Brian knows how to cut deals. Said, let's, let's get this thing signed. Yeah, let's I'm get it an done. Agent of two dudes. Two dudes, try to be two dudes. <laughs>
1: so I can't, I can't wait to tell UCW, you two are not going back on the mic until your contracts renegotiated.
2: Oh my god!
1: <laughs> but I'll be there anytime you need me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Dave, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. Buddy. Dave,
1: I'm here for you. Dave. These assholes, I don't know.
2: you know, I don't know what yeah, they're I don't trying be, to. Do. I
1: don't know about them, yeah. <laughs> They're holding out. God. Dave, I told you.
2: <laughs> they got to do commentary for a, for a Ducks match, the Ugly Ducklings, and they feel their stock is just on the rise. And frankly, they just want a lot of money. But hey, I, I am here for you. <laughs> is that shooting a little too close? Yeah, that,
1: that would be that would be perfect. <laughs>
2: That's
1: <is> exactly <laughs> what I
2: would do, too. He, you know, he would laugh at that,
1: though. I'm just oh, yeah. <laughs> Dave, you know you can't trust him. I've been telling you for years.
4: Guys are Remember only the ride back from
1: Southern Virginia oh to U-Haul?
0: I told you, Dave. You didn't listen. Boy,
2: <laughs> uh, well, he called one match. I told you of they summer. didn't have
3: the care about it. <laughs>
0: they
4: weren't it
2: like we are. Stan said he wants a black hat. He wants to be called JR from now on. It's just getting out of hand. He's going to go for bad comedy. That's what he's doing.
1: They secretly work for classic. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs>
2: I saw it was weird. I saw this business called said Day Industries. Yeah, I don't know. It just found it just found their way in their pocket. It's weird. He would have a stroke right there in front of us. <laughs> yes, yes,
1: he
3: would.
2: All right, so back to dynamite. Back to the you don't birthday think edition. He's
3: not right now, listening to it. Well, I mean, <laughs> right,
2: I'm actually surprised we haven't gotten a text yet. <laughs> you sons of bitches. <laughs>
1: Give it time. Give You're it time. Right. It'll
2: happen. So, uh, the tag team match between the Best Friends and FTR. Um, mm. Brian, start us off. What do you think, man?
4: I
1: can't. I'm eating m
2: <laughs> Excuse us. Rob, start us off. The MMs and ms are being eaten, so clearly.
3: <laughs> what? Oof.
2: Ouch. Your thoughts on FTR and the best friends tag match?
3: I thought it was really good. I like FTR and what they're doing right with them in the AEW. Kinda wish they'd have done it somewhere else.
2: Well, hey, one man's trash is another man's treasure, and that's why FTR is probably going to become a mainstay, like staple tag team of AEW. I can see them being like right up there with the bucks as far as the measuring stick for tag team wrestling.
3: you're know, gonna see them more. Go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. No, I no, stopped. no. You're you, done with the No, them
2: I
1: stopped, I stopped, you <laughs> continue. Please continue. Done.
2: H- who did you say you want to see more? I don't I
1: don't why is he why is he why does he get like that? I'm letting him finish. Finish. Finish your thoughts. Now
2: I've done it. Oh, he's whistling. Way to go, Brian. Now he's whistling. Damn you. I've done it. All right, Brian. Well, you've put the M&Ms down. You might as well. What would you think of the tag title match, man? Uh,
1: so, I
4: think, I think, I think
1: not only is FTR the staple but I think the other two guys they fought. Best friends are every bit as good as they advertise. Mm-hmm. I the, think... the man, I just, I, I'm, I'm kind of torn. I almost would like to see Best Friends get a run, but I'm enjoying the brush with greatness store way sure. too much.
2: Yeah. So much you even said it, damn it. Um, no, you, you got a you got an absolutely great point. With best friends, we've seen, we've only really just seen them start to really show just how good they are as a tag team. You know, their feud with uh, Santana and Ortiz again. I refuse to call them that stupid name. Um, proud and powerful. Man. stupid tag name anyway. Um, their feud with, with uh, Santana and Ortiz was tremendous. Uh, the, the street fight, I don't know that I agree with, with uh, what's-his-name, that it was like a five-star street fight, the best it's ever done, but it was definitely damn good. Um, but their matchup with FDR this past week on Dynamite was really, really good. And FTR, what they're showing us right now is their amazing versatility to work with just about every style. And what the best friends have shown us is that I agree with you, Brian. I think their tag run may not be that far off, but way early to cut FTR off. If you consider just how much heat they're building, you know, because they're stealing each victory is just amazing. Like this week was probably the the best one so far where Tully manages to sneak the title around and then the delivery of the the belt shot to, I think it was Chuck that got hit in the head um, was just, wow. It was Really, really well done. I really dug it. And what about what about the um, the outside-the-ring action where Trent gets thrown through the arcade machine? As a retro game enthusiast myself, I'd have been furious if somebody did that to me.
1: Yeah, but you know it wasn't real, right?
2: What? Well, I mean, nothing was hooked up. Literally nothing. But, you know.
1: Whatever. What? And it was cardboard because at one time it kind of starts to tilt.
2: Oh, I didn't see that. Did it really?
1: Yeah. yeah oh, go back geez. and watch. They, so somebody, I guess, grazes it, and it kind of like rocks <laughs> up on oh, on a corner, and then the then somebody like pushes it down real quick. But there's a brief second that things up on three three corners.
2: Wow. No, I did not see.
4: that. Oh shit.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I liked I liked the interaction with uh, Kip Sabian. Kip Sabian is starting to come into his zone in AEW as well. Too. Um, we'll talk about that here in a second. But, uh, wow, I was really impressed with this tag title match. Yeah, again, FTR
1: doesn't disappoint. Best friends don't disappoint. Um, hopefully, hopefully after the direction we're headed, we can get like a program with FTR and best friends.
2: And of course, you know, the, the, the call of the hug, because you've got to give the people what they want. Which, I, I didn't, I can't believe it took me until this past week to finally catch on that Excalibur says that every time they do that hug.
1: I did not know that.
2: <laughs> I was today years old when I learned that he does that every single time they do that stupid hug. Oh, hey, Rob was today years old when he learned that. He does that. See, I mean, it's just it's those subtle, nuanced things that that you pick up over a period of time. Um, one of the cool parts of AEW recently has been how they transition from segment to segment. So this week was no exception. Of course, we see Trent go through the arcade machine, and then Kip runs off screaming, Miro, Miro, like he was an upset little kid going to get his big brother to kick somebody's ass. And sure as hell, here comes Miro and Kip Sabian, and Miro just beats the piss out of Chuck and Trent. And then we get right into a tag match where Miro and Kip actually had a great match against Sean Maluda, former uh, Cruiserweight Classic performer and 205 Live, uh, and Lee Johnson, who is best known for a guest spot on Raw against, uh, I want to say, Braun Strowman. And then, of course, he performed in Evolve. But Miro looked great this week. Much better than his initial debut. Um, so I was Miro, really happy to Miro. see Miro, Miro.
3: Miro, Miro on the wall.
2: <laughs> you know, Rob, it's amazing to me that you said that because that's going to happen. Somehow we're going to see a segment... <laughs> Where Kip is like Miro, Miro, or something. Will you happen.
3: come out and beat this man?
2: <laughs> um, it's has Penelope Ford. Is she being positioned in the background on purpose? You think? Wouldn't you? Um, I don't think
1: so. I just, I think with uh, Brit coming back,
4: mm-hmm.
1: um, the spotlight is on her and. It'll eventually make its way back around to Penelope.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I kind of agree with Rob. I think I would I would probably position her in the background at least for now, because of the fact that you know your your two main characters in this storyline is Miro and Kip. So I mean, Penelope's the bride, but she needs to play a back a backseat role to these guys because they're just you're focusing right now on the buildup of Miro. And the the generation of heat for Kev. That's really your goal.
1: Way to go. You've just given somebody a new tag team name.
2: With the generation of heat? Yes. Ooh. You know what? That's actually not a bad name.
3: <laughs> Damn. Of course no. it's not. You thought of it, doof. Excellent. So uh Mark the
2: time yeah. and the Debuting
3: date. next week on AEW.
2: <laughs> Put it in your back pocket. <laughs> now, Matt and Nick, that's going to cost you. I'm telling you, it's going to cost you.
1: And mark the time and the date so the attorneys know that on this date.
3: <laughs> but we'll gladly accept ringside seats to every event within and, our miles, <laughs> and every figure released.
2: Oh, and ringside seats to your pay-per-views. We're going to throw that in there.
3: That's why I said ringside seats to every event. Because yeah, that's what every means. <laughs>
2: well, gosh.
3: Oh, gosh. I and didn't paid. Say every event with an asterisk. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <clears throat> and uh, paid trans. Yeah, you're going to pay our trans. Just say saying. Uh, okay, so Sunday, October 18th, 2020 at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time is when that idea. <laughs> nugget is dropped on you. So we go from Miro just having a great, great uh, dominant role to the Murder Hawk monster, or, or what did you call him, Rooster Tail?
4: Yeah, Rooster,
2: yeah, Rooster Tail. <laughs> Rooster Tail, Lance Archer beating the tar out of John Moxley backstage. Um, the buildup for this match was great. We'll talk about how the match panned out after that, but... Um, I liked what they were doing here. I actually kind of thought, man, maybe maybe Archer's winning the title tonight. Maybe tonight's the night. No. Tonight is the night. Rob, just shut it down. No. No. Sorry, Rob. I didn't mean to give you an idea. I'm sorry.
4: Not,
3: Not all your ideas can be winners.
2: Well, you know, you're either striking out or hitting home runs. Can't have them both. Yes.
1: have you ever done either yes yeah right I'm going to talk about it in a video game
2: oh well damn now you're just totally taking everything away from me does a batting cage count
1: how do you hit a home run in a batting cage
2: you hit it really far
1: into the
3: net so, that's
1: how I know you've never been to a batting cage
3: yes I have and it can't, can't be on the tee.
2: Oh y'all just making up rules, man. This is crap. (laughs) (laughs) This is (laughs) bullcrap. Um you know, my comedy may suck, but MJF's continues to get better every week. Uh the segment with Chris Jericho (laughs) with his crown breaking announcement. Um Wow. Now I really I, I wasn't really sold on this whole Storyline. I mean, it was funny, but I was like, yeah, it's not going to amount to crap. But no, uh, in true Chris Jericho and MJF form, I'm drawn in, and now I want to see these guys team together, go through this, uh, what is it, like a buddy cop or odd couple kind of pairing, and then ultimately have their, their matchup, their feud. So I kind of dig it. I, I kind of like this buildup. Dig it, Brother. Brother.
1: I I don't know, man. I'm kind of torn.
2: You're torn, really? I kind of figured yeah. you were loving this. No,
1: because to me, I can't. I can't quite figure out the figure out what where we're going with this. If that makes sense. I don't know if I want to see an MJF versus Jericho feud. Wow. Uh, yeah, and then, you know, if, if the inner circle's not going to turn on Jericho, then what's this all for? Sorry.
2: Hey, Sammy finally got his coat. He yeah. kept his word. He gave Sammy the coat. <laughs> Great, and it looked like what happens when you give one of my T-shirts to my son. <laughs> he was swimming in it, but hey, it's okay. <laughs> Rob, what do you think of MJF and Jericho? Is this is this comedy stylings at its best, or is this just they don't have any idea what to do with MJF, so they ask Jericho for help?
3: Well, I think what they're just trying to do is they're trying to show people that MJF can go against one of the best mic workers in the business, and his comedy, his stick, his gimmick, whatever, will, will stand up.
0: And... That's
3: the thing. It's like when you have him against the lower tier card card people, obviously, you know, it's like when The Rock comes out and has the mic against, you know, uh, Roman Reigns. It's not fair. <clears throat> That's uh, the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. Uh, so I think, it's, I think it's their way of showing the wrestling world that MJF can compete.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean I get the feeling that MJF is just he's just getting started. And so with with Jericho, you've got somebody that can kind of guide him. Hey, don't go this direction, but if you follow what I'm doing here, you'll be better here. Like it it is something that at first it just seemed awkward their interaction, and now it's it's funny because it's awkward, but it's awkward on purpose kind of thing.
3: Well, and also you can see where it would be good for him if they took it and, you know, Jericho and him sparred a little bit on the words or whatever. Jericho kind of says, hey, you know what? You can be my little buddy, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then it turns out that MJF dumps Jericho out of the inner circle. I,
2: I I actually think that's where this will end. I think Jericho and MJF will get a tag run. They'll get a tag title match and it'll flop. And somehow MJF will have the inner circle because I the way this is being laid out is the inner circle wants nothing to do with MJF but I think the way this ends is MJF and the inner circle dump Jericho we see a face run for Jericho and AEW
1: I think that's what I'm afraid of
2: well for me if crowds are coming back the way they're describing here soon in Jacksonville it makes sense because you know they got the sing along with his music and it's he is so popular it's basically Ric Flair it's he's so popular you could have him poke Tony Schiavone in the eye kick JR in the balls and then smack a woman in the front row and he'd still get cheered like crazy
3: now now you know they're not going to let him kick JR in the balls
2: why not? Everybody else has. Jim Ross has got the crap kicked out of him. Although I don't know, Tony Schiavone might be the new guy. <laughs> he might be that that role after this week. I mean, getting the 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 segment with Britt Baker. I I don't know. Britt Baker is getting better as a bad guy, but Tony Schiavone steals the segment every time he's with her. He's he's the one I'm watching. Like he's fu- he's the funniest part.
1: Who ever thought either. Because he didn't really do that stuff back in WCW or the WWF.
2: No, not at all. He he was the straight guy. He was, you know, yeah. I'm calling play-by-play, play, you do what you do.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: He definitely is funny to watch.
2: <laughs> I never thought. Remember, and then the funniest part is like they're, they're Rebel and uh, Britt are talking back and forth. And Rebel's like, is he naked? And Britt's like, are you naked on the race? He's like, what? I thought I was supposed to be. <laughs> Ew! That was, that was pretty good. But outside of that, I mean, he, he steals these segments. Um, so, Cody and Orange Cassidy. I have to admit, now, Wednesday, I was I was not feeling great. So, I did actually miss this matchup. So, between the two of you, I'll leave it in your capable, capable hands. The TNT title. Cody and Orange Cassidy.
1: Brian. Uh,
0: yeah.
1: So, oh, you didn't see. Him? So, I mean, I, I enjoyed it, but again, the, it's the whole pocket thing, <laughs> you know. After seeing Orange not do it for a week, and he goes back to doing it. Yeah, and I think they just need to turn Cody, like, stop dancing with it and just just let him go um, I, it was enjoyable uh, may not have been one of my favorites but it was enjoyable to watch I'm still amazed at Orange Cassidy though and uh, the skill he possesses that eventually when they figure out just to let him go yeah, uh, it'll be pure gold
2: I will take this second to say that you need to, if you haven't already, you need to tune in to Brandon Cutler's YouTube channel for, there's a few different things that you'll really enjoy. First off, the D&D group he does with Orange Cassidy, Orange Cassidy is hilarious. And everything this guy does during a game is like completely in line with who Orange Cassidy is as a gimmick. So you, get, you can only imagine just how funny that is. Then, going even further with that, you really get a chance to. It's almost as. It's basically to me, it's like required viewing now because being the elite pushes storylines through, and then now you get a true like backstage kind of shoot segment stuff where you actually get to see these guys and learn who they really are. So it'll definitely help you if you're. Kind of on the fence about who these people really are, Cassidy. I agree. the The hands in the pockets can be frustrating, but I liked the build up for this matchup and the fact that Cody was like, "I'm gonna, I'm not gonna let him get away with not locking up. I'm not gonna let him." Uh, so, how did that play out?
1: Well, I, I mean, it played out uh, kind of the way you described it, but however. Um, You know, Cassidy still gets away with um, certain things throughout the match Mm -hmm. Um, that, again, I think there's one point where Cody almost almost crosses that line, Mm -hmm. um, but he doesn't quite do it. Um, I mean, I think that would have been a perfect opportunity for him to just, (laughs) like no offense to Orange Cassidy, but just wreck them, you know, just get so frustrated, you know, you take it to a DQ and, you know, you have uh, the the nightmare family run out and pull, have to pull them off. Um, you know, cause to me, that it's almost a heelish thing to be like, well, you're going to lock up. And then when they don't lock up, you don't smack the piss out of them. You know, every chance you get, uh, you probably shouldn't have said that in the first place. Um, but again, Orange Cassidy, I think Orange Cassidy is probably one of the best, best workers they have, even with the hands in the pockets. But I, I think it's time that they got rid of that. And I understand why they did it for this, but I would hope moving forward, he just wrestles because I think he can out wrestle. The majority of that roster.
2: Now, is he is he the caliber of wrestler as say evil Uno? Because we gotta be careful.
1: Oh, nobody said nobody said yeah, good. Exactly. Not even not even the not even Omega.
2: Could be the Hollywood Hogan of our time we're talking about in evil Uno.
1: <laughs> there you go, Sonny.
4: I hope you're listening.
2: Hope his son's feeling better. Oh no, Anthony, I'm sorry. I hope Anthony's Anthony,
4: feeling yeah. better. Anthony,
2: uh, let's see here. So just kind of looking through Matt Hardy continues to um, push into his character a little bit. And we see him headed back towards, I guess, broken Matt Hardy. Um, but not in the way you would have guessed. I guess Sammy Guevara now is pushing the envelope, wanting to do a deletion of Matt Hardy. So, okay, Matt, you know, Sammy Guevara has managed to hurt <laughs> Matt Hardy twice now. And now he's pushing for a deletion. Uh, I'm going to be real here and just say, I don't think Hardy would actually let him do this without getting some receipts back to him.
1: Yeah, but I, so I'll give you the chair shot. I think that's clearly on Sammy. I'm not going to give you the, the, the concussion. I, I think that was just a bad accident. I think they got carried a little too far past it, past where they wanted to, and I think probably both of them were responsible, and both of them just had an accident. I,
2: I, I'm just – I mean, not that I would say that, like, Sammy grabbed his head and said, I'm going to kill you, <laughs> you know what I mean, and spiked him into the ground mm. or anything, but it's just – from my vantage point, it just seems to me like that's just um, – Obviously, with the cinematics of a total deletion kind of match, you have the opportunity to be protected. But I have a feeling that as we get closer to it, because this apparently is headed towards full gear, uh, November 7th. So, if that's the case, I would imagine as we get there, there's going to be a few opportunities to return fire.
1: Mm. Now, I will have to admit, uh, when the screen clicked on when they were interviewing Matt, I was half expecting, you know, almost like a black scorpion type moment.
2: Oh, God. Don't do this.
1: (laughs) You know, like like it would be like, you know, a a segment they filmed earlier or something, and it would be like Matt Hardy and, you know, one of his alter egos threatening, you know, Matt Hardy standing down there uh, doing the interview. Um, I don't know why. I, I, I really don't know why, but <laughs> that was my thought process. Again, when he clicked on, I was like, "Oh, it's going to be Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy's going to taunt Matt Hardy. This is going to be great."
4: Okay. Oh, and then
2: was Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Crap." Um, we know that's that- how it
3: all is going to end eventually for Matt Hardy. Is it's going to he's going to take himself out. It's going to be some one of those things.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean think about it you could you you could do it with Matt just like you could do it with Foley because Foley's got all three egos Matt has all three egos and in today's wrestling world where you have these cinematic matches you could have Matt wrestle Matt oh my god and you could probably make it look good enough to where you would believe it and he could retire himself
4: I mean, think about
1: it. Me. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Uh, you know, they do they do shows with where the actor is supposedly a twin, Mm-mm. and they're not twins, right? And they talk <laughs> to each other, and you know, they hold the conversations. And I mean, if they can do it, AEW can do it.
3: What you do is you have him throw himself in the he throws himself in the lake of rejuvenation or whatever, and then his son comes out. And they're like, "Oh my God, Matt Hardy's taking him all himself all the way back to a kid." <laughs>
4: <laughs> We're gonna have to
3: wait ten years for this for this match to figure out.
2: Oh God, the match that never ends.
4: <laughs>
2: so we find out that uh, this coming fr- this coming Wednesday is going to be a fatal four-way to to determine who's going to get the next shot at the tag titles. It's going to be Private Party, Butcher and the Blade, two members of the Dark Order, and the final entry to this is the Young Bucks. So the Young Bucks have pretty well super-kicked everybody and hurt as many people as possible. And if you watch Being the Elite, Brandon Cutler failed yet again to get them all to see to see the end of, uh, you know, the reconcile with Adam Page because apparently the text goes through, but it doesn't get to Adam Page's phone until Page has already left it in a pumpkin. Yes, it's just that confusing. That's exactly how it plays out if you watch being the elite. But the point I'm trying to get to is, it's, is it going to be at, at full gear that we finally Oof. see the Bucks hit? The Bucks against FTR, or is this going to have more twists and turns?
1: No, I, I think that's where it's leading. And they however, the
3: carrot long enough. It's time yeah. for the Bucks to go be in the fight.
1: Yeah, everybody's called for it for you know the whole year, so I think they're about to get what they want. Although I don't, I don't know if they're going to get the title this go round, but. You're on the verge of getting the bucks with the titles.
2: I mean, it's just the the slow burn that AEW, in my opinion, has mastered because now we're all like, we want to see it now. Well, that's exactly the reason you do the slow burn It's because you want everybody to, to get into it. It just seems finally it seems like something is. It would be rushed if that happens. But maybe I'm just off base on that
1: no i i mean they they've been very good at that
2: mm-hmm.
1: in prolonging storylines and dragging stuff out and uh you know they they don't they do rush every once in a while, but the majority of their stuff they drag out and they build you know they build momentum into it um, but again i I think this is the match that everybody it you know what, that's f the bucks win cuz you know they have done that before too but this is one of the matches that everybody's been waiting for
2: yeah we we've, we've had a lot of build up for this and it's it's finally in a position where it could be at last you know the young bucks having some some finally some high profile views, which i think will be great um mm-hmm.
1: And uh, getting back to Paige's phone, mm-hmm. I don't think it's Paige that returns the
2: tweets. So who do you think or the responded? messages? You think it's Omega? Uh,
1: I don't know. I I think if it was Omega, they would have shown Omega. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because the in in storyline, the elite is gone. Um, pay or not page, but Omega is, has already like, he's literally turned in the corner to, to be in the heel. Um, I don't, it wouldn't have been a stretch for him to pick up that phone. You know, the camera watches Omega put it in there because again, he even, he remember when, uh, when, uh, what was it? When they lost the tag titles, Omega was, like, telling the Bucks, come on, get in the car. Right, right. And the Bucks were like, no, we're not doing it. And Omega, you know, so you could very, very easily see Omega being like, okay, well, here it goes. F you. We're not, you know, we're not friends, you know, putting it on Paige's phone. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it'll be somebody new.
2: Or maybe it's Cody.
1: Or maybe, huh? Could be Cody. You never know.
2: I mean, he's avoided the elite pretty much this whole time as far as their storylines. So if you Mm -hmm. wanted to get them reinserted, there you go.
1: Yeah. I I mean, it could be anybody could be, you know, they, they may have intentionally not shown it. Um, in case something comes through with new Japan. Oh, or maybe it's another NWA guy. Um, Mm. so it's hard to, it's, it's hard to say. And in, in that where Marty went, didn't Marty go
2: NWA? No, Marty is well. Marty's R O H. He was in an R O H, and then hashtag. And then he went and, in. Pandemic hit. We don't know where he's
1: at. Yeah, but I oh what oh I thought he was in NWA. Was it R O H? Okay. I mean, you still have uh, plenty in the N W A that could do it. Because mm-hmm. hopefully we'll get something out of that with uh, Thunder Rosa.
2: Yeah, I think we're actually going to see Sheeta and Thunder Rosa were a title for title match.
3: That would be nice.
2: Yeah. Because yeah. after, <laughs> after this past week, where Sheeta and Big Swole, they actually, um, I caught the second half of this match, and it was just, it was a great sequence of moves. I I, I want to say that Swole has improved. Bring in the toilets. What's that? Which what? what nope. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. You, you, it sounded like you were starting to say something. And I didn't want to cut you off. Okay. <laughs> All righty. Um, Nerd,
3: no. I know where my role on this show. It's fine.
2: Ouch. Okay.
4: Damn. Well, okay. Then. We know
3: it's Stan and Rob.
2: Where, where's Brian? Don't leave Brian out.
3: Brian's the, the head. It's Brian, Stan, yeah. and Rob. Uh, yeah, I'm the okay. I'm the agent. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, y'all I mean it's
1: on record.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> from here on out, y'all y'all owe me world your any any money.
4: Gosh.
2: Y'all have to pay me. <laughs> pay me. Pin me and pay me. <laughs> um Big Swall has improved so much uh, over the course of just just this year. Really, um, we saw her, of course, in Queens of Combat as just you know her her regular her real name, Ariel Monroe, and she was she was great there. But seeing her in AEW, she's just taken it up to two more levels. Just really great work, and gave Shida gave Shida a run for her money. Um, but I was honestly, they kept showing clips of Nyla Rose at ringside and I'm like damn she's going to come out there she's going to she's going to interfere but no she just kept showing her
1: yeah I'm not sure if something's going on with her because I haven't really seen her in the ring any <laughs> lately
2: no not much So all of this takes us to the World Championship matchup between Moxley and (laughs) Rooster Tail, Lance Archer. Um, I've had high hopes for this matchup.
4: High hopes. Uh,
2: Yeah, very high. And the buildup that they did with Archer just beating the crap out of Moxley backstage, I'm like, wow, tonight's the night. We're going to have a new champ, Mox's you know, streak is going to come to an end. But instead, honestly, I felt like Archer came off looking just like just another challenger. Mox wins with the bulldog choke. And, you know, at first, at first Archer pops up and I'm like, Oh, okay. So maybe they're going to keep this moving. But then Kingston, Eddie Kingston comes down after, after he was doing commentary, guest commentary and the Lucha brothers, Come down, and then we proceed to see just a unruly beatdown of John Moxley. That was just like Jesus.
1: So I don't, I don't, I don't think Mox is going to lose that title until the winner of the tournament starting next week is crowned and i think he's going to hold it into uh, i guess it would be what uh march no february next year would be the pay-per-view after this or is it march uh
2: february you're right
1: february mhm i think that's when he's going to lose it and, well i mean they do have a way of him putting up the title on tv too so maybe it'll happen on TV before then, but I think uh, I think when he loses it, um, I think the match is going to be so big they'll put it on pay per view.
2: Seems like the timing for his his title run to me there's there's a lot of good comp- uh, contenders. In the, in the hopper for him it's just like you said getting to the end of this tournament to see who it's going to be and most likely in my opinion I think it's going to be Omega although I, right. I would kind of like to see Paige do it but I, I think it's going to be Omega
1: I do too and, and I think that's why he'll hold it until Omega gets his shot And I, and again, this might actually hopefully turn into a program, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because so like the problem with Moxley's for me, the problem with Moxley's run has been the interruptions, right? The the COVID interruptions, Um, because if you remember one time we had Moxley, Hobbs and Darby Allen, Mm-hmm. They were going to face Cage, Starks, and uh, Archer. Mm-hmm. Well, Archer gets sick, and we can't do it. And then before that, uh, Mo- I forget who Mox was starting a, a program with. And then Mox gets sick, or not sick, but Mox is quarantining himself. Mm-hmm. And, and by the time he comes back, the pro, you know, it's moved on to somebody else. And um, I, I would really like to see him. And Omega have a, a nice two- or three-month
4: program.
2: Yeah, there's there's a lot of storylines right now that I really want to see. Um, and I think we're getting ready to see them unfold on uh, Full Gear. Well, as we had to Full Gear. But I, I really want to see, you know, I want to see Paige and Omega. I want to see their feud. I want to see Mox have a feud that has some, some substance to it. Because I, I don't... Not that Eddie Kingston is bad. As a matter of fact, last week we talked about how good he is. It's just I just don't see Eddie Kingston in that position of being able to hold a feud that keeps our attention longer than maybe a couple of weeks.
1: Well, no, see, I can because of his mic skills. Right. But the problem is for me is with them two. I think if it doesn't end in like a death match, you know what I'm saying? To me, they're, they're too, they're too extreme or they can both be too extreme that if it doesn't end in some crazy match somewhere down the line, it will have all been for nothing. Um, so I'd, I'd have no problem with like a blood feud between these two, but, I don't know if I need to see it for the world title,
4: Mm
1: -hmm. or at least it could be for the FTW title. You know, let's get crazy. (laughs) Let's turn it into an extreme title. I think that's where it's headed. There is another hour of programming somewhere down the line.
2: You think if they take on the third hour, they're going to move and try to compete on Mondays?
1: No, well, they said it won't be a third hour. It, it's a third hour, but it's not attached to Dynamite.
2: Supposedly. Oh, a completely separate show. Okay. Yeah.
3: Okay. Yeah, come on, Stan, keep up.
2: I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm behind. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
4: I was in the pool.
2: <laughs> um, you know, I, I want to see what happens with all of these these different storylines playing out. And so many of them are being loaded up. We're, like, right at that point where, God, there's so many cool things coming up on, you know, coming just around the bend, right? You know it's coming, and it's going to be cool. Um... Then you go from that to, you know, Kota Ibushi wins the New Japan G1 Climax, second year in a row that he's done this. Um, And we've heard nothing but rave reviews about the G1, um, where he actually has gone through, I mean, he went through Sonata and apparently had a tremendous finals. In in the matchup. It was just over 35 minutes. And this means he gets a shot for the IWGP heavyweight title at uh, Wrestle Kingdom 15 in January, taking on whoever the champion ends up being at that time. You know, Okada has been um, involved in New Japan, but kind of on the back burner while they're focusing on Evil and Naito. Excuse me. It could be that Ibushi is about to get his shot. You know, maybe now's the time where if they are going to have someone come into AEW and start doing cross promoting, that Okada the guy.
4: Uh,
1: why not Obushi?
2: I mean, it's nothing especially that says he if doesn't do. he
1: have doesn't he have a pretty good relationship with Omega?
2: Yes. Oh, wow. Could you imagine if he comes in, mm, yeah. mm-hmm. teams with Omega, and then, just to rub mm-hmm. it in Paige's face, yeah. yeah. I got you. Well, not only that, but what if he were to win in
1: January, Omega wins in February, and then there's a event in March. Oh, All
4: right. Yeah, that's a good
2: idea.
1: I mean, <laughs> you could sell it for $100, and people are going to buy that thing.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so, But, yeah, I mean, who knows? But, I mean, the, supposedly the door's open, so this is all dreaming and speculation. But, but I mean, if you're going to line up a champion versus champion, that would be two to do it with, Ibushi and Omega.
2: And, frankly, now's the time to do it. Mm-hmm. Now you were telling me about before we came on the air about some statistics that Cody Rhodes posted about AEW and their performance across the
1: pond. Let me find it. All right, so let's see. Ah. Let's see here. So again, I don't I I'm 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 assuming this is accurate. Cody shared it. Um, but the WWE is like getting decimated <laughs> overseas. And not maybe not just by AEW, but by the fact that uh, maybe even the UK isn't buying... What they're selling now. Um, I can run down through this. Uh, apparently, Dynamite has beaten the first run broadcast of all of its competitors in the UK for audience volume.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: All of its competitors. So then you would add, you would then include, you know, like NXT UK, NXT Raw, SmackDown, and God knows what else. Um,
2: Impact as well.
1: Yes, Impact as well. Uh, Dynamite's audience is over five times that of NXT, double for SmackDown, and almost double for Raw. I want you to think about that for a second. Five times as much as NXT. NXT. Twice as much as SmackDown, and almost double Raw.
2: Now, granted, this is this is to the isolated to the UK right now, but what we're looking at here is a, a country, a demographic, or a, a location that WWE typically performs very, very well. Um, and then mm-hmm. looking at some of these statistics, it's it's staggering to really see um, some of this come out to light. Now, it's not to say that this is an isolated incident because this isn't going to be the first time that WWE is uh, taking it on the chin in ratings when it comes to performance overseas. But it's pretty stout. I mean, five times. Dynamite's audience is over five times that of NXT, double SmackDown, and almost doubling Raw. That's a pretty large number. Um, And doubling Impact. Yes, yes. Which Which is actually interesting to note because Impact does tremendous in the UK. They always have. Um, but they're doubling Impact's audience, and it's also on a free-to-air channel. So, Mm -hmm. considering that, that's huge. That's a big, big deal. So, the time is right, I would say, for them to start to cross-promote just a little bit more.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: Well, I
1: mean, if, if um, if COVID hadn't hit, I think you'd probably see that, but you know, cause there's still talk that they want to do a UK tour and I wouldn't blame them. Um, I, I, might would spend a solid month over there, maybe a little bit longer in all honesty with these numbers. But, um, you know, you just can't pack up and hop on a plane and fly over there.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, at this time,
4: <laughs> I'm sure they would have done
1: it. Yeah. um, so, full episodes of Dynamite on ITV4, which I'm assuming is a TV channel, has reached 2.8 million people based on five-plus consecutive minutes of viewing. And then across all ITV channels, they've reached 6.7 million based on them having watched at least five consecutive minutes.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: That's a that's a pretty big number. And of course, they do benefit from being on more, or reaching more people than its competitors, but mm-hmm. um, WWE had that opportunity and I'm uh, pretty sure they squandered it. So, Because they were on those channels and then got booted for AEW.
2: Well, and that's that's the thing when you when you sleep on your smaller partners. And realistically, if you think about it, Fox, you know, that, that's a huge partner, USA or NBC Universal, huge partner. But when you sleep on your smaller partners, that stuff can come back to bite you. And you know, the UK is not a small audience. You know, we're not talking about like, hey, this is the state of Florida. They just don't like you. No, we're talking about like a, a pretty huge population. So there's a lot of money at stake. Um, and then, of course, you look kind of across the way to the other part of Florida, I guess, um, where WWE is they have coming, coming right out of their draft. And I, I wanted to make sure we dedicated a good amount of time to AEW's anniversary show because, you know, hey, it's big news. It is a great show. But... I wanted also to talk about the experience. This is the first time I've had a negative experience in the Thunderdome. Monday Night Raw is, you know... God, it's not a secret that for at least six months now, it's just had very, very few highlights. Very few. Um, you know, you have a couple moments that are like, oh, all right, this is cool. But for the most part, not so much. Well... The Thunderdome has entered into this kind of this realm where it's trying to give you a feel of fan friendly. You know, we we know that your safety is important. We're we're thankful. Show your energy kind of thing. Right. And that's what they say during TV tapings. Hey, show your signs. Wave your arms. We, we want to see your energy. And usually that's it. And we're cool with that. Well, this past Monday was completely different. Um, you know, I get in there. And I'm in there, and they're giving, all you hear is, and I think it's Tom Phillips, but all you hear is Phillips in the background. Keep your hands up, keep clapping, keep doing this, keep thumbs up. And, you know, Brian, you know, and and Rob, I'm sure you've heard me say it as well. I've actually, you know, complimented WWE on how they handled the Dome up to now. About how they don't push fans to do this, and they really don't. Because at the time, they didn't. It was pretty much TV taping behavior, and then that's kind of it. But this past Monday, I swear to God, I couldn't hear anything happening on television because all you hear is Tom Phillips going, Hey, raise your hands. Put the signs up. Hey, you in the black, make sure it's a WWE-approved shirt. Like, what the hell, dude? Like, nobody... Tom Phillips wasn't that great in commentary to start with. But I don't need to be directed as to how to be a fan. And right. this is – a lot of people have said it before, you know, hey, WWE kind of positions their fans, and now we're finding out more and more that in the, in the Capitol Wrestling Center, which I still think is a cool name, um, that they're recycling footage of people in the Dome to NXT. If that's the case – I can completely understand why, because people are starting to get pissed off. I, for the first time in a long time, I just, I just turned it off. I turned the TV off, and I turned my computer off, because I was so irritated. I'm like, I don't want to hear your voice. Just let me watch wrestling. Like, So I had no idea how good Raw was or how bad it was, because halfway through, I turned it off, because I was just so sick of hearing Tom Phillips telling me what to do.
1: Welcome, Stan. Welcome. It's all Tom
2: Phillips' fault.
1: To the intervention meeting. Where we're going to wash the bobblehead right out of you.
2: But, Brian, they can change.
1: <laughs> Keep believing that. Now, I will say that I did see a picture of NXT mm-hmm. and their Thunderdome. And I'm going to have to admit I like the look of the NXT Thunderdome.
4: hmm
1: <laughs> Compared to the other ones, um, but I mean, y'all, y- you really had to. You really had to, like, um, not be paying attention. If you thought for a second that a they weren't going to, like, uh, edit certain things
4: mm-hmm. because
1: we've had certain things pop up, and B they weren't going to let everybody just sit on their hands. Uh, like the first few weeks of Thunderdome,
4: Right, right.
1: Uh, because even I noticed, what little I watched, even I noticed that everybody seemed to be a whole lot more energetic.
4: hmm
1: And it was really for, I, I forget what it was, but, I mean, it might have been, uh, it was something minor, you know, but everybody's, like, cheering this, this thing on. I'm like, what in the world? So... I, I, I again, if you're the WWE, why wouldn't you?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: It just seems like such a messy way to to try to move your shit. You Well, it is,
1: but again, it's the WWE. They can, they want to control everything.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, we got. I mean,
1: literally, go if 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 he says change your shirt. And what the guy should have done is stand up, take his shirt off and, you know, just flicked, you know, flicked off the audience and walked off or something. You know,
2: I was wearing a Marty Scurll shirt. I was wearing a villain shirt. Uh, but it's, it's one of those shirts is. that you really can't tell what it is. It's not like yeah. it's blazing with Bullet Club. It wasn't like the villain <laughs> club. So I was pretty safe. I think. Well,
1: but back then, they probably weren't eyeballing it either.
4: hmm
2: No, this was this past Monday. So, I mean, that was the first time I had heard somebody, like, they were just saying, make sure you're wearing A- or WWE-approved merchandise. And, and I will give them credit. It, when you register for the Dome, it's not like they just don't say anything to you. Like, you just get sent information that says, hey, you can't wear, you know, non-WWE merch. They do say that. But... It's when the dome first started. Uh, it was SummerSlam, right? Yeah, SummerSlam, and 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 the SmackDown before it. Um, the concept of it was a little iffy. I mean, you, Brian, you commented that it was kind of like uh, what was it, Black Mirror?
1: Mm, I don't remember. It's possible. So I'm you, old fart. <laughs>
2: It was it was one of those things where it was, was kind of weird, and there was no sound in the arena, so what the feed we were getting was the commentary, and the match, but no noise in the crowd. So what you're hearing from the the dome is just the guys working, and you could hear plain as day every spot you call. <coughs> so of course they fixed that because they, not only they, you have that issue going on, you have idiots showing pictures of Chris Benoit and beheadings and KKK people and, like, so they got into, all right, well, we need to censor some of this. Then it gets to a point where, you know, at one point they're like, yeah, you know, really, just keep your energy up. We really you know, we really appreciate it, which I thought was fine. You know, in TV tapings of old, you're used to that. That's how they used to do it for SmackDown. You remember, it was like six hours of programming.
1: So Yeah, but they normally wouldn't do it until the, hour 4 when everybody's you know like <laughs> jesus uh, yeah. why yeah. did i buy this ticket <laughs> yeah
2: so i mean you you have familiarity any old school fan has familiarity with kind of how that goes but this is the concept of of uh keep your hands up keep clapping they're going to be right behind you now but they're not that's the thing at first when the dome started like orton was pointing to the the screens Like Jeff Hardy was, you know, interacting with the screens. They don't do it anymore. There's no interaction with it. So why would you feel like you're part of the audience if they're not interacting with you?
1: Because my puppet, Vince McMahon, has got you all on his string and you're all being pulled. I mean, literally, I want you to think about what Stan is telling you. There is no way in the world I'm signing up for something where I'm sitting in my house and they tell me what I can and can't wear. Are you kidding me? Because I'm not talking about like putting up a sign or flicking the TV off or, you know, mooning it or whatever. I understand that. But I would not ever allow you, the entity, To tell me what I'm going to wear. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: And I'm not going to tell you, have you tell me to cheer or to boo or anything else. And that's the problem because they're, they think that you're, oh my God, what feedback. Sorry. Um, They think that they can do that and get away with it, and people are letting them.
2: This is a bad time to tell you that I signed you up for this week's time.
1: I don't care because I'm still not
3: getting on it. <laughs> he will not care. He will not cave. I, I, I mean, again,
1: why would you as an adult let somebody else tell you, well, you need to go change your shirt because mm-hmm. that's not WWE. Right, right.
2: Well, and Dutch. then if you look in the dome – there's an increase here recently. I've seen more and more kids there, but it's not much. It's it's we're looking at pretty well full blown adults from early or late teens to early thirties. Is really what you're
3: seeing. But I'll say, like when you watch it, if you you see a tendency, there's you get the people that are just sitting there watching the show and they're not doing anything.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, and it's like okay. The WWE's like, all right, well, we're not really. This is an exciting TV. Just having you sitting there picking your nose, watching your computer screen,
4: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> you know? Right right. right, right, I call it the, yeah, the fastest so, approach.
4: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: So make your programming entertaining.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: We've been to, we've been to enough shows, house shows, pay per views, uh, Nitros, Thunders. Uh, I think y'all went to a Raw or SmackDown back Mm -hmm. in the day and when it's entertaining the crowd is pumped Mm -hmm. you thought this was your way of putting the crowds into the arena so now you got to deal with what you created your program is not entertaining and nobody's cheering so figure out a way to make it entertaining again, and they'll start cheering. Yeah. yeah. Because what are they going to do one day when everybody's like, you know what? I don't have time for this. I'm, I'm not... Nobody does the Thunderdome. And then they start rerunning old footage and Stan gets caught in the Thunderdome when Stan's not even on the computer.
4: Right, 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 right.
2: That should be interesting. That's it. How, how did I get? But I'm here. How but did I Wait, what?
4: <laughs>
2: Rick Rude, a wrestling fandom. <laughs> I, think, I think that for the idea of the Thunderdome and now they're translating it into NXT, I still think it's a good idea. But you've got to be smarter than you can't. Po- I mean, obviously, we know how this is getting done right now, but you've got to be smarter. There's got to be a reason to make people react. You, it doesn't work the other way. Around. It's not. This isn't. This isn't like the '50s and '60s of television where you turn a light on and it says applause. It doesn't work like that. That's not how TV is done. And for Kevin Dunn right. to even get behind it, to me, that's mind-boggling because he's. Let's call a spade a spade. Whether you like WWE or not, you, you have to recognize the fact that they've done something to stay on television and learn, most times, try to learn from their mistakes. But they haven't this year, and they're continuously, and, it, and I say this year because the, it's really under the microscope during this pandemic. You know, it all starts right at WrestleMania and just unfolds or, or unravels, seemingly, From there, and I'm not saying they didn't suck before; they didn't have problems before. What I'm saying here is that 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 look that the optics of what we're seeing right now is so magnified that it's it's even more mind boggling to me that somebody doesn't just say, "Wait a minute, what the hell are we doing?" Like, how can you look at statistics like that? Like when we were talking about the UK stats, I mean that's that's great for AEW. But if you look at historically, just as, forget about your competition, forget about Impact, AEW, any other company out there, looking at just your own individual performance, in the past six years, Raw was averaging six years ago, what's that, 2014, when Daniel Bryan is, is feuding with the authority, Raw's averaging four, or five, maybe even six million viewers at different points. And now they're lucky to break two. And that's huge.
1: Mm-hmm. It is. But again, so when you're the only thing on TV, nobody pays attention to your mistakes.
4: hmm
1: But when competition comes along or something better comes along or something that's flashier comes along, those mistakes get compounded people start paying attention to those mistakes
4: mm-hmm.
1: some people just through attrition because we know what happens that some people at the magic age of 18 decide well i'm not watching wrestling ever again right and they just stop watching it right so you know there's some of that too but i mean impact or, or not impact but uh Oh, uh, whatever you call it. Um, yeah, Impact, whatever. Um, they've stuck around. They've built a roster. You know, they give you an alternative now, a legit alternative. Mm-hmm. ROH. Was giving you a legit alternative. The NWA was giving you a legit alternative. AEW is giving you a legit alternative. New Japan is giving you a legit alternative. Now that now the world has gone from like one promotion to many promotions that are legit um, places to go get entertained, and I think it's showing. Uh, you know, AEW, the only requirement for you to walk in the building and sit in a live arena, mm-hmm. well, two, is to be spaced socially and keep your mask on. Right? They're, they don't tell people don't wear what shirt. They don't tell you when to cheer. Uh, I think Impact is still doing it in an empty, empty arena. I'm not, I haven't seen the show lately, but.
2: As of two weeks ago, they were still in an empty arena.
1: Okay, and they're getting by, and they're quite entertaining when I get to watch them. Um, I haven't seen ROH, and of course, NWA is on a hiatus right now.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: But, I mean, why Why is your competition thriving, and you are steadily declining? and And not like just literally plummeting, but your numbers are slowly dropping mm-hmm. but everybody else is either maintaining or going up
2: i mean and and the craziest part the craziest part is smackdown right now is probably the show to watch it to me it is it, you're seeing uh, storylines unfold in a way. And, and, and a lot of it, I, I will say, a lot of it for me right now is seeing what they're doing with Roman Reigns. But even in that, even in that, I, I have to point out what they did to Braun Strowman this past week. And, and Brian, I don't know if you saw it. Rob, did you see SmackDown this week?
3: Yes, I saw SmackDown.
2: So Braun Strowman just gets the, just the dog shit beat out of him. By Roman Reigns, wasn't it? Wasn't it only a year ago where Strowman and Reigns were basically on equal footing?
1: Mm, I don't know if I'd call it equal footing. Well, yeah, I guess, yeah. uh, I mean, there should, there should always be that one guy, mm-hmm. right, that you just can't beat.
2: Right, I agree.
1: And and for Roman Reigns, it should be Braun Strowman.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: No matter the personality, no matter the manager, so that when when the time comes, in the right you know the right buildup, the right setting, it's magic, or should be magic. But again, the problem with Roman Reigns is you have made him out to be. Superman, right? Even before tribal chief,
4: mm-hmm.
1: okay. You made him unbeatable. Now you put him in a situation where he has become very successful, right? So because you have no crowd to turn on him, mm-hmm. you can't hear a crowd chant "boo" or whatever. Right. He he is. That persona, the tribal chief. Well, if you just had him beat up his cousin, why wouldn't you have him beat up Ron Stroman? Right? Mm-hmm. Because you're building Roman Reigns up to be the guy, finally. Mm-hmm. Because there's no obstacles in your way. But again, the problem is he was already at a certain point. Mm-hmm. And like I've said before, there were times he should have lost and he won. Mm -hmm. And now you've painted yourself into a corner because if you don't maintain this persona, Roman starts to slide back down. Mm
4: -hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I can see that. I, I feel like with this one, what really stood out to me on this wasn't necessarily Roman's part, was more along the lines of just, I guess this was Braun paying a price for his picture. (laughs) <laughs> for a syringe that got caught on oh, camera. The
3: syringe. Yeah.
2: yeah, because he tapped him out. It wasn't just a pinfall; he tapped him out clean.
3: That was a that was a Roman Reigns match in reverse.
2: It just it was like what the <laughs> and and
3: again they punked him out. Yeah, yeah, like They, Braun out. they been, didn't give him a chance.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I, they're
3: I, just trying to build up the Roman Reigns character to be you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's the unbeatable big dog. He's the tribal Mania. chief,
1: whatever. Right, right. So, then and here comes Brock at WrestleMania.
2: With no crowd, I see that as being just a huge flop. Like, with a crowd, you have a reaction where they're like, oh, holy shit. <laughs> with, with no crowd, it's like, oh, this is going to be the worst. <laughs>
3: it's going to suck with a crowd or without a crowd.
2: Well, I'm not talking about match quality. I think we already know that that's going to... <laughs> I, just, I can't see that ever being good.
3: Brock just needs to stay gone.
2: Well, I, But the problem is,
1: again, if he is now beating up, solidly beating up the biggest guy on the show,
4: mm-hmm.
1: what is Dominic going to do with him? What is Rey Mysterio going to do with him? Uh, I mean, you literally moved people that could interfere or slow him down. Mm-hmm. You put them all on Monday night.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because now, I mean, you know, Las Vegas' his favorite, favorite wrestler, Dominic Mysterio, uh, you know, he's not. No, there's no chance in hell. And Ray, I mean, again, no chance in hell.
1: No. And so the only one that may get close would be Seth Rollins.
2: Or Murphy. However,
1: I think you built Roman up to such heights that it's going to take somebody like like Brock Lesnar.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: To or maybe to come in and dethrone
2: them. <laughs> maybe they do Goldberg again. Why not? Oh yeah. my god. Yeah, they still got him under contract, I bet.
1: Well, were them them two were supposed to face at WrestleMania, yeah, right? Yeah. they Goldberg
3: match that, versus
2: Yes, yeah, the match that never happened.
3: <laughs> yeah, Here maybe it comes. Goldberg. <laughs>
2: maybe. Didn't <laughs> you see
3: where Goldberg had tweeted or Instagrammed or something Goldberg said I'm watching this match. Jeez. Yeah, oh. There it is.
2: <laughs> oh wow. So I thought. <laughs> Sorry, I just can't help but laugh in spite of that because it's just crazy. Um, I thought we'd close out with with asking you guys your thoughts on splitting up the new day. Stupid. Elaborator. That's <laughs>
1: He's
4: upset
1: well, I mean, by it. I just think There's More that... pancakes. Did he leave? No, oh, he's here. Oh, I'm sorry, Rob. I'm just messing. Now he's mad. Rob. Oh boy!
2: Go ahead, man.
3: No, y'all go ahead. I'm good.
2: So, okay, uh, Brian, your, your your thought on the new day splitting up?
1: It was time. Uh, I, you know, one of them has to branch out. You can't keep them together forever. It's
4: time.
2: Yeah, it felt like um, last week when they did the draft piece of it, it was it was an awkward moment. Like, I, I just didn't like it. I just felt it was stupid. And then this past Monday, they do the the tag title belt exchange, which, you know, I guess I, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it. Uh, Rob, I believe last week you mentioned to do a tournament or something, vacate them, do what you got to do. I'd have probably been better with that. Um and then, of course, Xavier Woods makes fun of it, you know, because they say, you know, this is the logical decision is to just exchange the belts. And he's like, yeah, that's clearly the most logical, like right there on TV, he says it, which I thought was priceless. Um, but then this past week, they do the, the say goodbye to the New Day kind of thing. And uh, for all the pomp and circumstance, I, I feel like while I really want to see Big E do well and Kofi and, of course, Xavier Woods. I feel like this is kind of forcing Big E, much like they tried to force the Kofi Kingston situation.
1: Um, Do you think Kofi was forced?
2: Yeah. I mean, I felt like Kofi deserved his chance. Don't get me wrong. I I definitely feel like he had earned it, but they really didn't allow that that situation to pan out. They just kept forcing it, like, with the... Vince doesn't like him, Vince doesn't want you kind of thing. And, you know, the, the – it just – it felt forced when they did it.
3: I don't think it's like that. I just think it's, you know, they got to move them on to different things. They've been doing the same. I mean, it's kind of like Charlotte Flair. Like, you can't put – you can only put the tag belts on them so much. I mean, hell, they're probably almost 20-time champions now. Mm-hmm. Every time you turn around, but all they're doing is they're moving their issues with booking from one show to the other. Right. Cause that's all they've literally done is they've taken some of the big ones that they couldn't do anything with on one show. And now they're not going to do with them anything with them on the other show. Mm-hmm. Because once you take Biggie out of the day, out of the new day, what are you going to do with him?
2: Yeah. I'm not confident that they have really a good plan for him. I, Especially all the people they've just put on SmackDown. I mean, Seth, Aleister Black, Apollo Crews. Um, I mean, all of these people that are getting thrown onto SmackDown. And his what was his feud? It was with Sheamus, right? So mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of confidence that, that Big E is going to be moved into a, a larger role with those big of a superstar names on the list. Maybe not Apollo Cruz. I could see him advancing past Crews, but for the rest of them, it just seems unlikely.
3: Well, I mean, when they created New Day, it was because they, the three of them had, you know, wandered into obscurity, and they wanted to make themselves relevant again. So that's why they created New Day, and they made it, made something of it. And now you take them out of that, you take them away, they're going to do just like everybody else, they're going to back into the scenes and be like, what? Who? Where? I guarantee in two years you'll be sitting there going, is Big Geek still employed with WWE? Yeah, it's...
2: It, it, like I said, with, with all of the people that they have been throwing into SmackDown, and, Brian, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you that maybe this is them lining up people for Roman to mow down, um which is both positive and negative. I don't know how that would play out. But then there's, of course, lurking in the background as we go ahead and get ready to to end. There's Otis with the Money in the Bank Bank briefcase. Easy for me to say. Um, Where now there's a rumor that it's going to be Otis challenging Sammy with the briefcase.
3: (laughs) Wow. I know not they just go after the Cruiserweight belt?
2: Oh, that would be hilarious. Probably because of that reason. Because it would be funny. And we might actually enjoy that.
4: <laughs> mm,
1: no, that would not be funny. Where's the 24-7 title at? All... Maybe you can go for that one. Oh, that'd be awesome. All right
2: <laughs> Some... WrestleMania moment for Otis is cashing
3: in on the 24-7 title. No, he goes so to he cash do in it on now. the world title. He goes to cash in on the world title and then our truth runs through because everybody's chasing after him and he pins him instead.
2: Oh, Jesus. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's happening. I bet you that happens. <laughs> They'll stretch it all the way to Mania, and that'll happen.
4: <laughs>
2: That's how we close for the week, with Rob Stradamus calling another one. That's a home run.
3: Wow. Right. It won't happen.
2: Oh, no, I honestly, it's it's just crazy enough where they might do it. You've said it. You've made it so. So now it's got to happen. You haven't missed... You have not missed very often when you Rob Stradamus something. You really haven't. We should we should actually do a stat on that. Find out just how many times you've predicted one of these crazy-ass WWE things that Vince Vincifies. Because he's managed to find a way every single time to, to make sure that you were right.
3: why i'm a shareholder
2: <laughs> vince i'm here to make you money <laughs> if you do this your socks will soar ah <laughs> oh, all right well ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for listening again sorry about the uh website issues but uh we'll be broadcasting through or simulcasting next week from or not next week <coughs> the week after sorry <coughs> hell in the cell is <coughs> this coming sunday So we will not be on the air on Hell in the Cell night. However, we will return the week after to uh, discuss all of the news and events and happenings of the world of professional wrestling. Catch up with Rob on Instagram at RDHUWP. Is that right, Rob? Did I get it right?
3: Yep. Woo!
2: Still active. That's the only one place they can really catch you right now, right?
3: Well, uh, everything's active. It's just I don't check it. So okay.
2: (laughs) So, if you want to interact with Rob, it's probably the best way is to either that or send us an email over at cornertocornerradio at gmail dot com. Brian, the professor of Dickweed, can be found on Twitter at strcp twenty one, and I, of course I can be caught at Stan Grub everywhere. And the show is at C two C Radio Show everywhere that you can find us Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you know, of course, the website c two c radio dot com and. When- that will do it.
1: Wait, PW247?
2: Of course, PW247radio.com. And, of course, at PW247radio. For all your podcasting and wrestling internet radio needs, proud to announce that we do have a great partnership in ensuing with the one and only legend, the Stro, the Maestro, bringing his talents to PW247. So that's pretty cool. And I believe we've got another watch-along that will be. I know the No Holds Barred one has been released. And, Brian, you watched The Clash with them. So that will be coming up soon.
1: Clash 11.
2: Clash of the Champions 11. So that will be coming up soon. And, of course, we've still got many, 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 many many watch-alongs planned. So stick with us. And thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time right here on Corner to Corner Wrestling Radio. Have a great night, everybody. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad.
1: High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince.